Well, good morning again, church family. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I just have a, a brief and simple message for you today because the message that the scriptures give us is brief and simple. And I don't want to uh, make it complex in any way. I just want to simply present it as the scriptures have presented it for all to understand. When my children were born, uh, my oldest now is 21. I'm going to date myself with technology a little bit, but some of you may be able to relate with this. We took her picture, and then we went to a place called Kinko's. Do you remember Kinko's? And uh, we gave the picture to a man or woman behind the counter, and they put it on a card, and then they printed it on their card stock, and then they cut it, and then they gave us the postcards back, and then we went to the post office when we actually mailed stuff. You might remember that too. And then we, we would put the, our hand address to our friends and family, the birth announcement for our children. And we did that year after year, and now technology has changed. You could just text people pictures of your children, right? And let that be the birth announcement. You could email, you could just post on social media. There's even websites you can go to where you just upload a photo, and they, they put all the information on for you, and they'll mail it out for you. We're just getting lazier and lazier as a people, aren't we? But what we're going to see today is a magnificent birth announcement that doesn't come from man. It comes from God from heaven. How will God make this announcement of the Son of God being, becoming a man on earth? And that's what we're going to see today as an announcement. And it's been great news announced to all of humanity, and he's going to use his messengers, angels themselves. We know the nativity scene, and we can picture it in our minds. There's Mary and Joseph and the baby in a, a feeding trough, and there's angels and shepherds. But now we're going to read the passage that gives us the manger scene. This passage can be, uh, is going to answer several questions for us. There's questions uh, more than this, but how does God make the announcement? Who does he send to make the announcement? What is said about the baby in particular, which is absolutely marvelous? To whom is the announcement given, which is going to produce shock and awe? And then what is the reaction of the ones who receive the announcement? I'm going to read through this passage. It's not many verses. And then I'm going to back up and we'll walk through these verses together from the word of the Lord to see what message he has for us today. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20 is our passage. And here we're told in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And, the angel, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothing and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, an angel with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that had been heard and seen as it had been told to them. This very short passage can be broken down into four separate sections if you take notes. First, we have the report from heaven. And this will be found in verses 8 through 12. And then we'll have the praises from heaven, found in verses 13 through 15, followed by the report of the shepherds in verses 16 through 18. And then we'll have the praises from the shepherds in 19 through 20. Let's, let's begin with the report from heaven. We're told in this region, this would be Bethlehem. I've said before, you may already know this, Bethlehem. It's uh, the house of bread is what this word literally means. This is where David is from and Jesus will be born according to the prophecy that the Messiah will come through Bethlehem. The, we're previous, the, the previous passage, we're told that Mary had just given birth. She had wrapped the baby in swaddling clothing and she laid him in a manger. And a manger is a food trough for animals. Who would have ever thought to put a baby in a food trough for animals? But that's exactly what she did. And we're told in this region and area near Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in a field watching their flock by night. And friends, there's going to be this bright light shining. And light has always shined the brightest, isn't it, in darkness? This light wasn't shined during the day. It's in the darkness of night. Well, why are the shepherds tending the flock at night? Well, that's because that's when the predators are more likely to come to hurt the, the sheep, to come at nighttime. Also, there could be uh, some thieves who may want to come and take the sheep. And third, and finally, the sheep may just wander off into darkness. Sheep are dumb animals, and they could wander off and get lost. And the shepherds have to care for them. And Luke is setting the stage now for us, giving this detail as he's about to present what's going to happen before the birth announcement. We have the, the setting the stage is set. We know the who, what, when, and where. And notice here that these, these angels are going to appear to make the birth announcement to the shepherds. The shepherds were out in the field. Now, doesn't it make you stop and wonder, why wasn't the announcement given to Caesar in Rome? Why wasn't Caesar Augustus given this announcement that, that God had become a man? That would, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Why wouldn't the, the chief priests or the Pharisees or Sadducees, the religious people, why didn't the angels appear to them? But, but to the, the shepherds, the shepherds were looked down upon by the religious leaders. They were considered constantly unclean. They were dirty people. They were looked down on as considered untrustworthy, uneducated men. They represented the common people. And they were unclean because ceremonially because they're always working with animals. And here God could have revealed this birth announcement to anyone. And he chose the shepherds who were the most unlikely people to receive the announcement. Verse 9 tells us that an angel appeared to them, an angel of the Lord. We don't know uh, if this is Gabriel who has already appeared several times to make the, the announcement that the baby's coming. Or just simply told an angel of the Lord, a messenger, has been dispatched from heaven to the shepherds in the field at night in the region of Bethlehem. And the angel appeared to them. We're not giving any detail of what the angel looked like. He could have looked like an ordinary man. We don't know. Ordinary person. 
But, but something startled them because now we're about to see there's this great light shining down from heaven. It's as if the veil that separates heaven from earth has been, uh, a hole has been poked through it and the light is shining through that hole. Or maybe the veil has been pulled back, whatever analogy or word picture you want to use. But friends, light is a sign of the glory of God all throughout scripture. Whenever we see the glory of God, we're told it's radiant. It magnifies. It's a brilliant light. It shines. Let me read to you from Revelation 21 verse 23 as we're told about the eternal city of God. The scriptures tell us, and the city has no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And the light and the lamp is the lamb. The lamb of God produces the light from his glory. That Jesus produces light because he is magnified and glorified. When, when you see the glory of God in scripture, you see a bright light. And what the shepherds are seeing is the glory of God being revealed from heaven. As the Lord, as our Father in heaven, is announcing the birth of his son, that God would become a man. The second person of the Trinity would become a step into time and step into creation. And here we're told next that in the glory of the Lord, it's shown around them. This is glory coming down from heaven. It's lighting up everything around them. And they were filled with great fear. I'll, I'll bet they were. I'll bet they were filled with great fear. Years ago, my wife and I were attending our staff conference in uh, Colorado. We were working at a big church. I was a youth pastor. And it was in a small hotel in Littleton, Colorado, not far from where, where our church was. And the, this, this little ses session that we were in for 20 or 30 minutes was on angels. And uh, the, we read the passage, you know, sometimes when you're entertaining strangers, you may be entertaining an angel. And so when you're thinking about this for 30 minutes, and then you, you go into the restroom at the, uh, the hotel, and the only people in the building are the people from your conference, and you know everybody there, and the hotel staff, and there's a stranger standing at the sink. And this stranger uh, was not part of our group. It wasn't hotel staff. It's one or two in the afternoon. Why is there anyone in a hotel at this point? And I thought to myself, I wonder if this is an angel. Ha ha. And so I, I went, stood next to him, and I washed my hands, and he turns to me and says, Hello, Charlie. And my hair stood up on my arms. I turned to him. I kid you not. And I said, How do you know my name? And he says, You're wearing a name tag. <laughs> So I went back and told my wife, and she thought that was so funny too. But I said, you know, maybe we'll get to heaven, and that guy will be saying, I was an angel, and I got you. Who knows? But just that mere fact that that guy knew my name, and I was thinking of it, he was an angel, startled me. But here, it's a typical response when an angel appears or a divine being and, and says, uh, they tell the person, fear not. Because the glory of the Lord and the radiance of the light is frightening. And friends, the world doesn't have a fear of the Lord as it should. And here we, they just see light and they're afraid. They just see an angel from heaven and they're fearful. But the, the angel says, don't be afraid. And then notice what it says next. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news. If you, if you take notes, you should circle the words good news. You should circle great joy and circle for all people. And what we see here is that the greatest news ever told produces the greatest joy ever felt. When you, when you believe the gospel, there is tremendous joy in knowing that your sins are forgiven, 
that you have been reconciled to God through no effort of your own. And for us to talk about a savior, for us to talk about Jesus, he didn't save us by being born. We know that, right? He had to be born to come and save us. He saved us at his death. It's the blood coursing through the veins of this baby that will be shed for you and I on the cross that will save us. And it's at that moment on the cross when the father who has sent his son, his one and only son, will place him on the altar of a cross and pour out his anger and his wrath that was intended for you and I. But he'll put it on his perfect son and that those who believe this glorious gospel will have their sins forgiven. This is fantastic news. To say that it's good news is an understatement, but it's the angels who are declaring this. I bring you good news, shepherds. It's it's great joy. It's overwhelming. It's exceeding. It's like pouring coffee in a coffee mug. But when it's full, you're just still pouring it and pouring it and pouring it. It's, It's consume the coffee mug. This is the kind of joy that the angels are talking about. It cannot be contained. And look at who it's for. It doesn't say it's just for you, shepherds. It doesn't say it's just for the religious leaders of Jerusalem. But as it says, for all people, this includes Jews and Gentiles. This is for all of humanity, for every generation, and including us today. The angel came bringing the best news of all time the world has ever, ever received. I was sitting with some pastor friends for dinner in Colorado late at night, and a man walked up to our table, and he had had way too much to drink, and he says, I've got some good news. And I thought, this is going to be fantastic opening for the gospel. And so I said, please sit down, sir, and tell us your good news. And he says, I got the dream job, I got a dream house, and I got my dream wife. And then he turns to me and says, isn't this the best news you've ever heard? And I turned to the other pastors like, who wants this one? Because this is teed up. Who wants to swing at this? And they just kind of gave me the head nod. I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. And I said, sir, that's, that's really fantastic news, but that's not the best news I've ever heard. And so he said very indignantly, well, what is the best news you've ever heard? And I said, the best news I've ever heard is that God became a man. He lived a perfect life in my place because I'm a sinner. And he died on a cross in my place. His blood was shed for me that my sins will be forgiven. And I will be reconciled to him through faith in his son. Isn't that much better news? And the man shrugged his shoulders and walked off. But he heard the gospel. Friends, the Lord is giving us gospel opportunities all day, every day to share with people. We just need to pray for open doors. And the Lord wants us to share the greatest news of all time with people. The Father didn't say to his people, I've got this horrible news I need you to tell people. It's the worst news of ever. Would you please go tell people? That's not what the Father did. He gives his people the greatest news ever told. That will produce joy in the hearts of those who believe. That's the message that we're tasked to go tell people. Isn't that wonderful news all by itself? Just by observation here, we're told in verse 11, for unto you that's born this day in the city of David, and we're not using the name of Jesus. Instead, we're giving three specific titles for Jesus. And the first title we're given is a savior. You should circle that. Because here the angels are declaring from heaven, messengers dispatched by God the Father and God the Spirit, that this baby is the Savior of the world. There's only one Savior. He's not a Savior. He is the Savior. 
He's going to save his people from their sins. John the Baptist declared, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Savior who's come to save us. His next title, we're told, who is, who is Christ. Christ is the anointed one. The scriptures, the Old Testament had been telling us for, from as early as Genesis that the anointed one is coming. The Messiah is coming. The whole Old Testament could be uh, narrowed down into one sentence. He is coming. It's that simple. Every book of the Bible in the Old Testament tells us he's coming. He's going to come and prepare a way. And the heroes of the Old Testament are are types of Jesus. They're showing us the gospel in so many different aspects and different ways. And now we come to the New Testament. And the angels are declaring, here he is. The very one, the Old Testament, that was given to the Jews to, to prophesy his coming. He's arrived magnificently. God has kept his promise as he always does. And the baby is born in a manger from a virgin in Bethlehem, just as the word told us he would be. But then this next word is the greatest word of all. This is Lord. But this isn't a lowercase Lord. This is the equivalent to the word in the Hebrew in the Old Testament to Yahweh. He is the Lord of Lords. The angels are declaring to the shepherds that God has become a man. And this baby is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the God of gods. And now he is in human flesh. God himself has come to take the penalty that God will give humanity upon himself. And I've shared with you this illustration years ago, but some of you may not have heard this. That when my son Fletcher was two or three years old, I wanted to teach him the gospel. And I said, how do you do that? Lord, how do I teach a three-year-old the gospel? And I waited until it was time to spank him. And it didn't take long for Fletcher. He got lots of spankings at three years old. And I said, Fletcher, you just disobeyed your mom. I have to spank you. Hold your hand out. So he held his hand out and he he began to cry. And he closed his eyes. And I took his hand and I, I spanked it two times as hard as I possibly could. And it was loud. Smack, smack. But he heard the sound, but he didn't hear the pain. He didn't feel the pain. And he was puzzled. Why did I not feel the pain? And when he opened up his eyes, I had taken my hand that was under his hand, and I placed it over top of his hand. And when he heard the sound, it was me taking the punishment that he deserved upon myself. And I said, Fletcher, that's what the gospel is. That God will become a man, and he would take the penalty that you deserve upon himself. And the three years old, Fletcher said, I like the gospel. <laughs> I bet he did. And it wasn't until years later that he understood and he believed. But friends, the gospel message is so simple. It's so beautiful and wonderful. It is the greatest news of all time that God would become a man and take the punishment that you and I deserve upon himself. That you would go from being an enemy of God because of your sin to a child of God. Do you believe the gospel today? Have you been reconciled to the Father through the blood of Christ that was shed for you on the cross? Verse 12 tells us this, and this will be a sign. What the angels are saying here is you're going to go find this baby, but but I want you to know how you're going to recognize this baby because there's going to be other babies in Bethlehem. You're not going to go to the typical place. You're not going to go down to the hospital down the street and go into the maternity ward and find this baby. Because that would be pretty normal, wouldn't it? You wouldn't even say, well, how, how, would we possibly, how could we possibly know which baby it is, a maternity ward? But instead, the angels are going to say, here's a sign for you. And all signs do is point, aren't they? 
That's the whole purpose of a sign. That the way that, that you can know with absolute certainty who this baby is, you will find him in the most unlikely of places. So that you will know with 100% certainty that the baby for which you're seeing is the Lord, the Christ, the Savior. The sign is this, that the baby will be wrapped in swaddling clothing. That's the first sign. And then the location is the second sign. Because even wrapping a baby in swaddling clothing is not shock and awe. But now I can't imagine the look on the shepherds' faces when they sold his lying in a food trough, in a stable. He'll be in a barn structure laying where animals eat. Babies aren't put there. And they're probably looking at each other saying, this won't be a hard baby to find. Let's just go to where they said they, he would be and look in a, the f- different food troughs until we find a baby laying in one. And then they do that. How amazing is our God that there was no room in the inn for Mary. What an incredible inconvenience. But God's greater purpose was that so the shepherds would know that this baby is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, the, the Savior so that he would be easy to recognize. Friends, Jesus is easy to recognize today. And yet so many people miss him. Have you missed Jesus? Jesus has come to die for you, to take your sins upon himself. Have you missed him in the hustle and bustle of Christmas with all the distractions of the way the world celebrates Christmas? And now we see the praises of heaven, verse 13. And suddenly... This is without any notice whatsoever. It just happened. There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. This word multitude is also used with Jesus when he's teaching the crowds. That there was a multitude around Jesus. And when that word is used, there could be hundreds. There could be thousands. In reference to the angels, there could have been hundreds of thousands. We don't know. There was too many to count. So Luke just says, as he heard the story, there was a multitude. There were angels that were in sight that were just too many to count. We couldn't even begin to count them. They numbered by the thousands, perhaps. Heaven had opened up, and these angels are seen. And what are they doing? The scriptures tell us the proper response to Christmas. They were praising God. And thank God his word tells us what the angels were saying. Because the first 14 wasn't here, we would wonder all throughout time, what were the angels saying? What were they saying to praise God? And how can we know how to praise God? Because the angels do it right. Verse 14 tells us, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those who are pleased by him. God does everything for his glory. God isn't in it for money or fame or for votes. God is in it for his glory. And everything that happens in your life, friends, in my life, is for the glory of Christ. Did you know that? Whether you're going through good times or bad times, whatever season of life you're going in, you're going through it for the glory of God. God is always in it for his glory. And here the angels are saying, glory to God. They're giving God glory. When you worship the Lord, you give him glory. When you pray to him by your bedside or driving down the road or just walking down the street, do you begin your prayer and say, glory to you, God? It's been all glory, not to us, not to us, but to you be the glory, the word tells us. The angels were giving glory to God. And verse 15 tells us when the angels went away from them into heaven, they went back to heaven. 
the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. That's a good idea. Because they're very curious. They're filled with wonder and awe. Let's go see this, which the Lord has made known to us. They realize this announcement has ultimately come from God to humanity, that there is a Savior. And now, just very briefly, we're going to walk through the report of the shepherds. Verse 16. And they went with haste. This would be very quickly. This could be running. This is the same way that Mary went uh, to Elizabeth, we're told in the scriptures, that she went with haste. The, the, these shepherds, they probably were sprinting to this region, this area, and they found Mary and Joseph. And look what else they found. A baby lying in a manger. Just as the angels had told them, there's this baby in a food trough. Just like the angel said, this has to be the one. There's no other babies found in this location. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. They just recounted everything they just saw and witnessed and heard. What the angel had said and what the angels were singing. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. This was absolutely incredible. It was hard to believe that angels appeared to you and said this, Christ the Lord. And now we have finally the praises of the shepherd. And notice the transfer here. First, we have good news from heaven and praises from heaven. And then those who receive it go and share the good news. And they also share the praises. And guess what those people did who received that good news and praises? They go and transfer the good news and the joy and the praises. And then they transfer the good news and the joy and the praises. And it goes on to us today. That's called evangelism. The angels were the first evangelists to share this good news. Verse 19 and 20 tells us this, but Mary... But Mary, or also Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This just simply means that she just kept thinking about them over and over. And the thoughts of what these shepherds said, they never left her mind. She just couldn't, she just ran the tape looping in her head of what she heard. Verse 20 says, and the shepherds returned. They went back to their flock, glorifying and praising God. They're continuing. They're so full of joy. They can't stop glorifying God. And praising him for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And now I just leave you with three points of how do you apply this application. Things to think about or points to ponder, whatever you want to say. Number one is this. And this is fascinating, at least it is to me. That Jesus is the good shepherd and the lamb of God. And only Jesus can hold those two roles Jesus said, not once, but twice in John chapter 10, he calls himself the good shepherd. In John 10, 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And the question for you today, friends, is do you know Christ? And maybe the bigger question is, is does he know you? Because the scriptures tell us that there's going to be a time on judgment day when people will think they know Christ. And he's going to say to them those words that no one should ever hear. Go away from me, for I knew you not. To the place that was prepared for the devil. The place is hell. When you stand before the Lord, and you will stand before the Lord as we all will. Will you hear him say, come to me, for you belong to me. I know you. Or will you hear him say, go away from me because I do not know you. 
and you will be separated from friends and family who do know him for eternity in a place of eternal torment. Verse 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. How is Jesus able to lay down his life for his sheep? He's able to do that by being the lamb of God. Because in the Old Testament, the lambs were slaughtered to just simply cover sin. But it didn't remove the guilt of sin. And so lambs were slaughtered all the time to cover sin and just temporarily covering them. But Jesus ultimately would, is this uh, metaphor being used to him that he will be the one who will be slaughtered. But it won't be to cover sin temporarily. It will be to cover sin and remove the guilt of sin to reconcile all of humanity. Something uh, scholars have wondered is where this took place in Bethlehem. We just don't know. And some have said this could have been a stable next to an inn where travelers would, would park their vehicles, so to speak, their, their animals at night. Or this could have been in a, a shelter, a cave-like structure near where the, these shepherds were tending their flock. In fact, it could have been their very shelter. And scholars say that these shepherds weren't just raising any kind of sheep. Because of the proximity of the temple, which is five or six miles to the south, of where the temple was, these sheep were being raised to be slaughter sheep. These sheep were being raised to be slaughtered in the temple for sacrifices of sin. And there is one possible theory that Jesus was born in the, the stall that was used by the sheep to be slaughtered for sin. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus, the Lamb of God, could very well have been born in the very place that was intended for these lambs to, to be laying down and the food trough would have been for them to eat as they grow bigger, awaiting their turn to be slaughtered for sin. Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away all sin. Jesus came for many reasons. In John 18, 37, we read this. Then Pilate said to him, so are, you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth that everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Friends, the gospel message is true. I shared last night that in Jesus' first sermon recorded in Mark 1.15, Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. Have you repented of your sin? 1 Timothy 1.15 states, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost Christ came from heaven to earth, sinless and perfect, to be the sacrificial lamb to die for your sins and my sins. John 8, 23 through 24 tells us, he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not from this world. I told you that you would die in your sins unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Do you believe that he is he? This is great news of great joy for all people. Number two, a way to apply this in your life is this, that God wants the world to know. To send angels from heaven with a bright light at night was not God trying to be discreet. He could have been discreet. He could have done this in secret, but he did it so that all the world would know. The, the entire Old Testament is telling the world, he's coming, get ready. And the New Testament says, here he is. And it also says he's coming back. Are you ready for his return, friends? 2 Corinthians 5, 8, 19 through 21 tells us this. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to him, himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We have been entrusted with this message. What are you doing with it, friends? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. This world is not our home. Heaven is our home. And the Lord has made us ambassadors of heaven. And what do ambassadors do? They take what the commander-in-chief says, and they communicate it to a people in a foreign land. Friends, we are living in a foreign land. We're only here temporarily. The Lord has given us his word to communicate to other people that they might be saved. We are his ambassadors. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be the righteousness of Christ. And then finally, Colossians 1, 19 through 20 state this. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And third and finally, so uh, uh, point is this. The problem of sin is resolved by sending the Son. Without the cross, there would be no atonement. Without the cross, there would be no saving of sins. We can't talk about Christ being born without the cross because that's how he became our Savior. Jesus poured out, his, his blood was poured out on the cross for us. And the Christmas message is very simple. Here it is. Are you ready? From the manger to the cross, he came to save the lost. That's the Christmas message. Do you believe that today? Are you saved? Have you placed your faith in Christ? What is preventing you right now, today, from getting saved, from having your sins forgiven, to be reconciled to God, to once and for all place your faith in the one and only Son who came to die for you? I close with one more verse, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is what we consider to be the Great Commission. And it's for all of God's people. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Jesus commands us. He says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is Lord of all. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Merry Christmas. Great news with great joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful news. And we see this tr transformation taking place in the, the hearts of the shepherds. And the transitioning and uh, transmission of information, the gospel, as one people receive the good news, it produces great joy. And that joy is so overwhelming, they can't contain themselves but to go tell other people the good news, that they would be overwhelmed with great joy. That Jesus has come to die to reconcile us to you, Father, through no effort of our own. Thank you for this glorious gospel. Father, let us obey you in, in every area of our life, in what we think and what we say and do. 
And if there's any areas of our life that we're not obeying you, that we're living in contradiction to your word, Lord, convict us of that. Convict me of that. That I would confess my sin before you and I would repent. Father, let us be people who honor you and who are obedient in proclaiming this great news that other people can hear and believe and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.